We're endeavoring and covering the book of Proverbs. If you're new to this, if you've not here, been here before, Sunday nights is a time when we typically do a textual series, but this is kind of a textual, topical series because we're going through the text. But Proverbs, as you know, is arranged uh, so that each chapter, I mean, there's a lot of different subjects covered. So in this study, what we're attempting to do is to cover those subjects and kind of group those Proverbs together as we go through. We started out in January laying the foundation for the, of wisdom and talking about the necessity of wisdom and why God wants us to be wise and the call of wisdom and so forth. And then we've been arranging and kind of going through our uh, Proverbs by topic. And so, um, so far we've talked about anger, fear, and joy. Tonight, I want to ask you a question. What is it that God hates? I know that's not a a popular idea to think that God could hate anything or anyone, but the scriptures are clear that there are some things that God hates. And uh, in fact, there's a proverb that spells that out pretty clearly of some things that God hates. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, uh, and this will kind of lay the foundation for our topic tonight. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, I hope you're following along in the scriptures. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out, breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Now, of these seven things that God specifically hates, Two of them are specifically and directly related to the topic of honesty in a negative way. The first is a lying tongue. A lying tongue, a person who speaks lies, big or small, often or infrequent. God hates a lying tongue. In fact, we're told in Scripture uh, at the end of Revelation, Revelation 21.8, as, as made uh, probably not well-known, but there's a little song that speaks about where liars go. And Revelation 21 is very clear. Jesus said that when the Pharisees were lying, they spoke in the native language of the devil. They could only speak in lies. And so God hates those who speak in lies. The second is a false witness who pours out lies, which is a long way of saying a liar. And I don't know if you've ever known a liar before, but I've met a few of them in my life. They just constantly lie. And you would think, well, why? I don't know. Sometimes there's an issue. Sometimes there's a backstory. Sometimes there's a reason. But oftentimes it just roots back to they just think it makes them appear better than they are. Why does God hate lying? Why does, why does that matter to God? Uh, why does it bother him so to be, be a person who is a liar or who, who has a lying tongue? Well, I, if we think about it, a, a couple of things. Lying severs trust. Lying severs trust. You think about a person who's lied to you. You know they lied, you caught them in a lie. As soon as they did that, your relationship with them changed forever. Now, not that you can't forgive them, not that you can't move on or everything, but that, that moment where you lied, you severed the trust. Because from that point forward, anytime that person spoke to you, in your mind, you're thinking, uh, is this true? Is this really true this time? So it severs trust, which, which means it destroys relationships. It makes it much harder to be in a relationship with a person who lies to you all the time. 
As we said, lying is native language of the enemy. I think that's why it bothers God so much, because in a spiritual level, uh, lying goes against the very grain of God. God is truth. His son is living truth. His word is truth. And uh, lying has eternal implications. Now, sometimes lying in terms of sins, of magnitude, we might think, well, a little, little lie here it won't be that big of a deal. But really, the scriptures speak quite to the opposite. For us, uh, for Christy and I as parents, this was a lesson that was a, a big deal for us. For us, it, it, it's almost like you can almost do anything except lie. You can almost do anything, and that can, that can be uh, changed, that can be ameliorated, that can be uh, improved. But lying, oh man, that's just one of those things. Again, it severs trust, it erodes even a parent-child relationship. Um, <clears throat> when our kids were younger, uh, they were having a little bit of an issue, and kind of both of them went through this phase, where they, they would tell little lies, and then those lies got bigger and bigger, and it became an issue. We had to address that. And this is a bit, very big deal from a parenting perspective, because you want to be able to trust your children. But for some reason, even if we, we pull out the scriptures, we, we talk about God, we say, you know, God doesn't want this, we don't want this, explain all of that, kind of went over their head. And so my wife decided to teach the lesson in a hard way. And how she did it was in this phase of, of, of little lies always being told, she told the kids one day, very excited, you know, we're going to go do some things, but when we get done with those things, we are going to go to Orange Leaf. And uh, you can just imagine, the kids were excited. I know we don't have orange leaf now, but uh, this was kind of back, or you remember several years ago, it seems like there was an orange leaf on every corner. And it was just this uh, almost wicked idea that you could just make your own uh, frozen yogurt and put all these toppings on it. And then they, the genius of it was they charged you by the weight of it. Boy, that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> And I remember, you know, Wednesday nights after church, Sunday nights, people would go, and there was one at 21st Street, and there was one at Maple and, and Mays, and there was one out east, and they were just everywhere. And so the kids were really excited. It was a big deal to them. And so they went and did the errands, and they, they go, drove by the, the orange leaf, and Christy kept right on going. Mom, Mom, there's orange leaf. Oh, we're not going. But you said we were going to go. I lied. Oh, she, to this day, when she tells that story, can recall little Grace crying in her car seat. And when she got home, she explained to them and asked them, well, how did, how did it feel when mommy lied to you? Oh, it, we didn't like that. That hurt our feelings. You shouldn't do that, mom. Now, at their level, they could understand a little bit of how a lie hurts. And it hurts our relationship, parent-child. It also hurts our deeper relationship with us and God. As a parent, again, as teenagers, I mean, just understand this. You can almost do anything, but don't lie to your parents. Because it severs a relationship. It ruins the trust that you have. And uh, it can go the other way as well. Some parents lie to their children. That's not good. 
I've heard a young parent say one time, oh, I lie to my kids all the time. I lie to them all the time. I said, we're going to go do this, and we don't do that. I said, well, I didn't say this. I was thinking, okay, that will come back to you. That's not going to be good. Uh, so, so parent-child relationship is built on trust. Lying erodes that trust. Lying and dishonesty, in my opinion, is, the, is at the root of most, of si- most sins. Go back to the very original sin in, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 3, the very first one. It was this moment where they lied to God. They lied to each other, and, and mostly they lied to themselves. Lying is dangerous, and it has a huge effect on us spiritually and eternally. That's why this matters. And Proverbs has a lot to say about lying. And the opposite of lying, dishonesty, is, of course, honesty. Proverbs speak to this. We're going to look at several Proverbs tonight, and hopefully you'll follow along. The first, the first kind of idea is that we should be people, wise people, should seek honesty. Sh- should seek honesty. Let me ask you this question. Do you honestly seek honesty? I think most people, if you ask them this question, would say, oh yes, I want to know the truth. But do you really? The Bible is an honest book. This is kind of strange. If you think about it, if you turn the Bible into a movie, as you took it from you know, Genesis to Revelation, just this, this book was the script. Uh, you know, there would be some slow parts, admittedly, and like Leviticus. And, <laughs> but if you put that from, from beginning to end into a movie, it would be an X-rated movie. And I tell my children, did you, did you read the X-rated book? Did you do that today? You think about that, the Bible that I preach from, that there's some parts of it that are not for public consumption? Does that blow your mind a little bit? When I say the Bible is an honest book, I mean it. The Bible's honest about the goodness, righteousness, holiness of God. But the Bible's also very honest about the sin, the wickedness, and the depravity of man. The Bible's a very honest book. God's word is powerful. It's very honest. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, when you read your Bible, we have the reading Bible, uh, Bible reading plans. We have uh, different tools so you can be into your Bible. But, but reading your Bible is proof that you genuinely seek honesty. There's a lot of lies in the world. Okay? When you're reading your Bible, when you're opening your book, it's being honest with you about your wickedness, and it's being honest with you about God's holiness. But when you're opening that, when you're reading that, when you're applying that, what you're showing is that you genuinely care about honesty, that you seek honesty with your whole heart. Not many people say that they, I mean, many people say that they do, but not many people genuinely seek honesty. Proverbs 16, verse 13. If you honestly care, Proverbs 16, 13. Righteous lips. Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value one who speaks what is right. Leaders value honesty. Good leaders do. Consultants are paid very, very well for honesty. They go into a situation, a company, a a problem, and their job is to give sound counsel. And if they'll give honesty and, and give actionable, executable steps... 
that are honest, uh, they'll do well and they'll get more contracts. But honesty can be hard to hear sometimes. Many people say they want honesty, but do we? How often do you step on your bathroom scale? Do you want honesty? The scale will be honest with you. The scale is an inanimate object. It's just a mechanism used to, to measure weight. It doesn't care. But when we're not where we should be, we avoid honesty. How often do you do a monthly budget? You measure your income and your expenses. Eh, I don't really have it. it God will take care of it. It'll be fine. Well, do you want honesty or no? Do you know the condition of your flocks and your herds? You, you avoid the mirror. You avoid being in pictures. These are all measures, kind of, to some degree or another, of something that gives you an honest assessment of you. I love that the Scripture says that God's Word is like a mirror. It just simply reflects accurately. So, you know, when you look in a mirror, it's like, ah, oh, man, I do something with my hair and you know, miss a spot in shaving. And, you know, the mirror is objective. It doesn't care. It's just giving you an honest reflection. Even with God's Word, sometimes, there are parts of God's Word that we love. Parts of God's word that we don't love. Lots of people, the world loves 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Not so big about 1 Corinthians 6. About these are things that cannot go with the kingdom of God. It's honest. And so sometimes we go, oh, this is an honest book. I like these honest parts. It's not so much. Let's just move past that, you know. Do you seek Honesty. God will always be honest with you. That's the good news. Proverbs chapter 14, if you honestly care. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 5. An honest witness does not deceive, but a false witness pours out lies. A couple of questions. First of all, are you an honest witness to yourself, to others. You speak what is true. You speak what, what, what people want to hear. Do you have an honest witness in your life? Do you have people who are honest with you? It's hard. Um, and, and just one personal note, being the preacher, it's hard for, to get people to be honest with you. It's kind of the way that it is. Sitting in, on an airplane or waiting to get to talking with somebody, oh, what do you do? We almost hate the question. Because we know isn't they're going to shade everything that they say under that lens. They'll, they'll be less honest. Jesus, one of Jesus' greatest compliments toward a human being was that of Nathaniel, John chapter 1. He said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no guile, in whom there is no deceit. I love that. And that's a high compliment of a person. There's not a lot of people like that who will not try to be dishonest with flattery or deception. Now, Jesus knew and valued honesty. Are you honest with yourself? One of the worst lies is the, simply the lie that you believe. The lie that you tell yourself again and again. So we should be people who seek honesty, who act as an honest witness with ourselves toward others and with God. 
there's a second part to honesty. Uh, you should seek honesty, but you should also speak honestly. That's not always easy to do either. And sometimes if people ask you something, and you know in your mind if you tell them the truth, it will sever the relationship because it will wound them. So you have to measure whether or not your relationship is strong enough for you to tell them honestly, to speak the truth. I know it's not in Proverbs, but I I want us to jump over to Ephesians chapter 4 because I think as new covenant people, we need to understand how important this is. In a world of lies and deception and spin, God's people should be known as people who speak what's honest and true and right. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul speaking here about the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed to and fro here and there by ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. If you want to mature in Christ, the best way to do that is be honest Seek honesty and speak honestly. You have to use discretion, okay? It's hard. I don't want, as a parent, I don't want my, my children are very honest, especially when they're young, but you have to use discretion about does that true thing need to be said? Are they asking you for the true thing that need to be said? Jesus said, I have much more for you to hear, but you cannot bear it. So may we, as children of God, if we want to mature, learn to speak the truth in love. Most people get that out of balance. They speak so much love, there's not an ounce of truth. Or they speak so much truth, and and they just bludgeon people to death with it. And we are called, as people of God, to be speakers of truth. Honesty in love. Ephesians chapter 4, 10 verses down, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members with one another. Truth is a very refreshing thing. And in a world of lies and half-truths, for people to speak the truth in love, that's something you should be known for by your neighbors, by uh, parents that you are friends with and work at school with. Uh, You should be known by your friends and your family as someone who will speak true, honestly, and with love. Now we can go back to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 17, if you care. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 17. Uh, Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. What I love about uh, Jesus as our model is that Jesus told the truth. He told the truth. In fact, many times 
as he was speaking along, he would say, but I tell you the truth. As if to remind them that they weren't being told the whole truth. You never had to guess where you stood with Jesus. And he didn't sugarcoat it. He he didn't uh, uh, hold anything back. Remember when he rebuked the disciples? He rebuked one of his closest friends. He said to his closest friend on earth, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God. I think he spoke that in a loving way, but it was true. He knew Peter was being used by the enemy. He called out the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. Being honest is not always accepted well, but Jesus always sought to speak the truth in love. And look what happened to him. Jesus had many opportunities to say, you know, Pilate said to him, you know, don't you know that I have the power to free you? Jesus said, you don't have any power except what's been given to you. This was an opportunity. Jesus could have held that back. In a moment when your life is on the line, you kind of think, maybe maybe I'd say, you know, you're right. You're right, Pilate. Hey, why don't you have some mercy here today? But Jesus continued to speak the truth right up to the very end. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus was... Totally truthful. He told the truth all the time. And and there were implications for that, for him and I think for us. Now, again, we don't speak the truth in love. Okay, don't take too extreme. But but that doesn't mean you'll be exempt from the uh, the consequences. If you speak truth in a world of lies, at some point, the darkness is not going to like that very much. They're going to do what they can to get you to stop Speaking the truth. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 26. And honest, this is one of the ones that was kind of curious to me. Did a little more um, study because it's kind of a, a unique. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. When we talk about speaking honestly, I want you to understand that's important. I think our culture is where it is to a large degree, because of Christians who remain silent. At the wrong time and for the wrong reasons. Christians who are afraid to simply say what is true, or who speak the truth but without love for souls, only for their own egos. So I ask you, do you speak honestly? And when you do, why do you speak honestly? Do you speak honestly? Do you speak the truth to prove a point, to show how much better you are, to be in the right, uh, out of spite, uh, to show how smart you are? Do you speak the truth because you're hurt, you've been hurt, to show off, to be an instigator? Mature people speak hard truths in a loving way. In other words, they love the object, the person to whom they're speaking the truth. I'm telling you the truth because I love you, not because I want to hurt you. When we speak the truth with that way, it's... It's refreshing and beautiful. Jesus spoke the truth because he loved people. Because he wanted genuinely what was best for them. When he told the rich young ruler, go and sell all you have, he didn't do that because he wanted to hurt the rich young man. He loved him because he, wa- he didn't want him to go to hell. 
Because he wanted him to not be enslaved to his possessions any longer. He loved them enough to tell them the truth, to give them an honest answer. Remember what people said about Jesus, that no, no one has taught as this man. No one speaks like this man speaks. You can tell when somebody's telling you the truth and they love you. They genuinely want what's best for you. They're not just telling you the truth for other ulterior motives. So when you say an honest answer is like one who kisses the lips, I think this is kind of just how I imagine it. This picture, if if you're listening to this lesson, is a grandmother kissing her grandchild. Uh, my grandmother, when she was still here in this world, when we went over her house, the first thing she wanted was a kiss. And she'd wrap her arms around you and she'd pull you in close and she'd plant a big old wet kiss on you. She loved you. In fact, as you grew older and you got too cool for that and you tried to avoid it, you know, grandma said, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm still waiting. Come over here. She loved you. And... In the same way that she showed that love, Grandma was always the person who would tell you the truth because she loved you. Not because she was trying to hurt, hurt you, but because she wanted what was best for you. The wisdom of age had, had these two beautiful things, truth and love, in her heart. When you tell someone the truth in love, you're giving them a kiss on the lips. Now, kissing the lips has a lot of cultural interpretations and implications. But to one degree or another, a kiss is a degree of affection or love or relationship. Um, it, kiss somebody on the head. Sometimes I uh, kiss people on the head, just on the top of the head. Um, that, you know, I'm a weird preacher, right? <laughs> but it, this, that's just an, a way of saying I love you and I'm... I'm care about you without being, you know, awkward. Um, it is a, in a, some cultures they have, you know, the scriptures greet one another with a holy kiss. That was a, uh, a, a phileo kind of love, a friendship kind of love. It was a, a, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It was kiss on the cheek, which represented sort of that familial love, the storge kind of love, where you love each other and you're close and you, you maybe share the same home and they share the same table and you, you love each other warts and all, right? Um, with my children, you know, I kiss them on the cheek. Okay? A kiss on the lips is uh, usually a deeper kind of love, Eros kind of love. Okay? The only person I kiss on the lips is my wife. That's just a me thing. It's not a, a Bible thing, but Okay, there's different there's different levels of kiss. There's different levels of relationship. When you when you give someone honesty and love at whatever level of the relationship, you're 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 showing them that you care about them. Now think about this. Remember when G- Judas betrayed Jesus, and he betrayed him with a kiss. That was a deep cut right there. Because he could have just pointed to him. He could have shuffled with his feet or he could have made some other motion. But he kissed his rabbi, which was a, 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 a deep, a, a kind of a, a, a storge kind of kiss. I mean, it was, a, it was a, a, a tightness, a connection, a bond. 
And Judas used that connection and that relationship to betray his friend, his rabbi, and his master. When you kiss someone on the lips, you, you show them that you care about them. Uh, in the same way, honest an honest answer shows them the same, that you care about them, that you love them enough to tell them the truth. There's another proverb that says, uh, kisses from an enemy will be multiplied, but wounds from a friend will be trusted. Tonight, the lesson is yours. Two simple points. We should be people who seek honesty because wise people seek honesty from God, from others, and from themselves. And we should speak honestly. We should speak the truth in love. And normally at this time, I would invite you to the fireside chat. But I'm going to speak honestly with you about the fireside chat. Attendance to the fireside chat has been dismal. And so I'm not going to do it anymore. Not because I don't want to, but you all have voted with your feet that that's not what you want to do. So it's a beautiful evening. We're going to quit a little early. Enjoy the evening. If you have a spiritual need to come to Christ, if you need him to be honest with you about your condition, know that he will be very serious about the seriousness and deadliness of your sin, but he will be absolutely loving, merciful, and gracious in his treatment of it, because he's already paid the price for it. If you do not know Christ, need to know Christ, the most honest thing I can tell you is that you need Jesus Christ and your eternity is on the line if you don't have him when you leave this world. Please take that seriously. And if you need Christ to put on Christ in baptism, we can help you do that tonight. Or if you have any other spiritual need, please meet me down front as together we stand and sing.